Welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talaya Dindi. I'm a cancer thriver, cancer doula, independent patient advocate, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complementary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, everyone. This is Talaya Dendi from On the Other Side That Life, and you're listening to Navigating Cancer Together, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Our very special guest is Nadine Stone. Nadine works as an advocate for children and adoptees with an interest in public policy and legislation. Nadine spent 44 years searching for her birth mother, challenging the current law in Ontario, Canada, regarding non-adoptees' access to birth records. In July 2018, Nadine filed a petition with the UN Commission on the Rights of the Child, illuminating numerous articles of the UN Convention that the Providence of Ontario has violated in its treatment of illegally adopted children. To access birth search resources in Ontario, Canada, refer to Nadine's website, which is www.nadinestone.com. Nadine is currently exploring the transformation of her memoir, No Stone Unturned, a remarkable journey to identity into a television series. Nadine was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 1981 at a time when very little information and resources were available. Nadine, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I'm thrilled. It is my pleasure, Nadine. I'm so excited for the audience to hear your story. They're not going to believe it if I just say it, so I'm excited for them to hear directly from you. Nadine, how are you feeling today? Feeling great. Thank you. Very, very well. Wonderful. Happy to hear that. No side effects and no recurrences of my illness. Wonderful. So happy to hear that. Speaking of that, Nadine, things were very different in 1981. How did you learn that you had ovarian cancer? After the birth of my son, Andrew, in December 1980, I was scheduled for a post-op exam with my gynecologist. My regular doctor was on vacation and was replaced by a young graduate of McGill University in Montreal who had recently returned to the Caribbean. During her internal exam, she said, Nadine, do you need to empty your bladder? I'm feeling a cyst the size of a grapefruit on your left ovary. Empty your bladder and we'll look again. On the second exam, she said, it's still there. After dressing, we sat down, looked at one another, and I asked, what do you think? A big C? To which she replied, not necessarily. 90% of cases are benign. Of the remaining 10%, most are fluid rather than tissue-filled. Only 3% of tissue-filled tumors are malignant. 
I was sent home with medication and asked to return in two weeks to see Dr. Hilton. Dr. Hilton recommended surgery to remove the cyst. Ironically, I was scheduled for surgery at the same maternity home where I'd given birth to Andrew eight months previously. Dr. Hilton informed us that he was able to remove all of the cyst, but while excising it, the tumor burst inside the abdominal cavity. A few days after surgery, we were given the results while still in the maternity home. Ovarian cancer with a 50-50 chance of survival. After receiving this devastating news, I thought of my mother, Rita, who'd taken me from the hospital three weeks after my birth. She'd already been diagnosed with breast cancer, but firmly believed that if God gave a child to her to raise, he would let her live long enough to raise the child. Sadly, she passed two years later on Valentine's Day at the age of 33. In two years, I lost two mothers. The parallels with Rita were astonishing. I looked at Andrew in his father's arms and silently begged for God's help. Please, God, let me live until Andrew's 18. If you take me then, it will be okay. But please let me live that long. Like my mother Rita, I made a pact with God. Remember, this was in 1981. No one had heard of Gilda Radner and ovarian cancer. It was not one of the types of cancer that anyone ever talked about, as it was so rare. As we drove away from the attorney home, Juan, Andrew, and I, I screamed in the back seat of the car. Why me? I'm only 28. I'm only 28. I never again asked why I was chosen. Thank you so much for sharing that, Nadine. At that time, what kind of treatment did you receive? And what was your experience like with ovarian cancer? Well, as I was born in Canada, Dr. Hilton suggested that we seek treatment there. Dr. Gare at Toronto General suggested a complete hysterectomy, followed by radium treatment. Again, we were in shock. I was desperate to have more children. And back then, women were not freezing their eggs. It was unheard of. So this was a very difficult decision to make. I argued with Dr. Gare. I asked for chemotherapy instead so I could have more children. He said, your tumor is isolated to a local area of your body. Chemotherapy is like using an atomic bomb to kill an ant. We should concentrate on the abdominal cavity only. We argued back and forth. I looked at the family he had in his office, family photos of his beautiful wife and three children, and said to him, what would you say to your wife if she was sitting here in front of you now? Dr. Gare said, I would say this to her. You can choose not to have the surgery. You can go home and try for another child, which might take two years. However, eventually you will be back here and your chances won't be as good. The cancer could have spread. My advice to you is that life is short. Live to raise your son. After the surgery, all of the biopsy results came back negative. But the last test of the omentum, a fatty tissue under the abdomen that serves no purpose, but is automatically removed during a hysterectomy for ovarian cancer, came back with malignant cancer cells. So my cancer moved from stage one to stage four and radium therapy was mandatory. Nadine, what kind of resources were available to you at that time for support? Well, after the surgery, I was treated with radium at Princess Margaret Hospital in Toronto. The radium was hard on my body. I suffered from vomiting, diarrhea, and weight loss. The treatment was for five days per week from Monday through Friday for six weeks. Every Friday, the nurses took my blood and said that my count was too low. If it was not higher by Monday, I would need a transfusion. 
my aunt Lenora flew to Toronto to be with me and to cook healthy meals every day. Each Monday when I returned for treatment, my count was up. We managed to get through the six weeks without a transfusion. AIDS was just starting and blood donations were not being tested for AIDS. In the years following, over 1,000 patients in Ontario contracted AIDS from tainted blood. I was separated from Andrew and Juan for five months. It was a really difficult time. My family formed weekly prayer groups, which was enormously encouraging as I believe in the power of prayer. Aunt Lenora and the prayer group saved me. There were no other resources for me at that time. Wow. So the support group, the prayer group, those were the main resources that you had that helped you through that tough time. It was, yes. What advice do you have for women who have been diagnosed with ovarian cancer? My advice to all women is to see a gynecologist at least every other year and undergo an internal exam. Ovarian cancer is still called the silent killer as it does not present any symptoms until the cyst has become so large that the patient experiences pain. Once that happens, the chances of survival are reduced. When you are given such a frightening diagnosis, it's hard to wrap your brain around it and to start to make plans. Firstly, think about freezing your eggs so that you'll be able to have children in future if that is your wish. Seek out all the cancer resources available to you. There are so many more today than there were 42 years ago. Start with the American Cancer Society and with Gilda's Clubs. A good outcome from this diagnosis depends on when the tumor is discovered. If it is found in the early stages, a full long life is quite possible. What did life look like after cancer for you, Nadine? What was like after cancer? It took a long time for me to recover from the surgeries and treatment. My marriage started to break down after my return to the island as Juan was impatient with the long, slow progress. One evening, when Juan and I were having dinner with a close friend, Peter, Juan turned to me in front of Peter and said, you are a failure as a wife and a woman. No man will ever want you again. You have nothing to offer anyone. You can't even have a child. There was stunned silence from Peter and me. A few months later, I discovered that one was having an affair and we separated in 1984. That was the worst time of my life, worse than having cancer. Andrew had lost his family and I blamed myself for that loss. A note here, most marriages will survive a cancer diagnosis. Mine was not strong enough to survive. Juan fell out of love with me, wanted more children with someone else, and he succeeded. Nadine, you were married a second time. How was your second marriage pivotal in your life? I was so distraught after our separation and so weak mentally that I bought into Juan's assertion that no man would ever want me, that I had nothing to offer. On a blind date in 1987, I met Bill, an American, and after two years of a long-distance romance between Vermont and the Caribbean, we were married in August 1989. Bill is a wonderful man and has since supported me through many enormous struggles. Let's switch now, Nadine, from cancer to talk about finding your birth mother. How did you find your birth mother? And what helped you persevere in the search to find the truth about your family? A little history here will help. Between 1945 and 1973, about 350,000 unmarried Canadian mothers 
were coerced or forced into giving their babies up for adoption. Many babies like me were illegally given away like a puppy at the pound for a nominal donation to the church. I started my search in 1973 as I was desperate to know my history, my ancestry, and why my mother had left me at a hospital. My search was made more difficult because I'd never been legally adopted. So when the province of Ontario changed its law in 2008, enabling legally adopted persons access to their original birth records, that access was denied to me. I hired an attorney to appeal to the province and to the hospital where I was born, all to no avail. I was blocked at every turn. I then turned to DNA, my last hope. DNA indicated that I was of Croatian heritage. A volunteer search angel, Olivia, who is a DNA genetic genealogist, saw one of my posts on a Canadian adoption website and offered to help with my search. We wrote to third and fourth cousins on 23andMe and Ancestry, asking for their assistance with their family trees, trying to drill down to first cousins. A detective I hired was not successful initially, but unbeknownst to her or to me, when she reached out to a friend in the Croatian community, that friend turned out to be my birth mother's niece, my first cousin. We just didn't realize at the time that her aunt was my mother. So many people cared for and tried to help us. Olivia said to me, Nadine, so many of your cousins are moved by your story. When I talk to them, they refer to the baby to you and of wanting to help. You might not have parents at the moment, but you have this amazing growing village of cousins who care so much and in doing their utmost to help us. In all my years helping adoptees, I've never seen such an outpouring of care and compassion. They want you to succeed. In the end, an elderly Croatian gentleman I reached out to and begged for help found my mother. Sounds like you had angels all around you, Nadine. What a blessing. It, I truly did. Let's talk now about your memoir, No Stone Unturned, A Remarkable Journey to Identity. I must note that I have started reading this book and it is phenomenal, almost unbelievable, but I will let Nadine share more about her book. My story is more Hollywood than Hollywood even more so as it is true. It will grab the reader and take him, her, on an unbelievable roller coaster ride. The story's main plot is of the search for my mother, but there are many subplots throughout, especially my love for and unrelenting fight for my son, Andrew. Once Juan and I separated, I became a prisoner on that island, free only if I was willing to leave Andrew behind. Juan's family is wealthy and are leading political figures on the island. Juan kidnapped Andrew minutes after my marriage to Bill. Three days later, Bill returned to America without us. Andrew and I became homeless, borrowing cars and apartments from friends, and thus started an agonizing nine-month-long custody battle against a powerful family. Think Yellowstone. Juan's father, a senator in the government, was his attorney. There are many highs and lows and much unbelievable action as we plan our harrowing escape from the island with Juan and his family in hot pursuit. I wrote No Stone Unturned to inspire readers to find faith, hope, and the courage to persevere 
despite the odds, to continue to dream, to never, ever give up. I can honestly say, Nadine, from the first time you and I spoke, I was definitely inspired by your story. So I just want to take a moment to thank you so much for being so vulnerable, sharing your story, and writing your book. Now, let's talk about something very special that you're working on as well. And it has been said that your story contains all the elements of a great movie. You have a goal of creating a TV series. Why a TV series? Please tell us more about that. I'm exploring the transformation of my memoir into a TV series, as there are so many enormous highs and lows that a movie would not be able to incorporate all the dramatic events that shape the protagonist's character and lead to its miraculous outcome. It does contain all the elements for a TV series, real-life drama, pain, suspense, romance, royalty, politics, and more. Who could have envisioned that a child orphaned at birth would be adopted only to lose her mother two years later, then sent to live with elderly grandparents on a remote farm with no electricity or indoor plumbing, however surrounded by a loving French-Canadian family. Full scholarships to university, marriage into a wealthy, powerful political family, and a glamorous life on a Caribbean island, socializing with political figures and royalty. A cancer diagnosis, separation, divorce, second marriage, kidnapping of her son, homelessness, months-long custody battle, and harrowing escape from the island. Moved to America, working as a producer at NBC Miramar, traveling with NBC's movie critic to LA to meet and interview movie stars like Robert Redford, Morgan Freeman, Willem Dafoe, and Helen Mirren. And finally, after years of searching, a reunion with her birth mother. The story is unbelievable. One reviewer wrote on Amazon, if you're not sobbing by page 155, you are not human. This is an extraordinary, beautiful story about a very brave woman, mother, journalist, friend, wife, lover. She's the kind of heroine women and men can be proud of. Persistence is omnipotent. And Nadine, the real woman, and Nadine, the protagonist, are full of the brilliance and courage a hero needs to conquer her dramatic need and to cope with the tragedy imposed upon her. If you need some courage and inspiration, this is your book. I couldn't put it down. My book was selected by Tail Flick, an LA production company, as a tail pick, tail flick pick. Yuri Singer, CEO at Tail Flick, suggested that I contact actresses' agents personally to pitch the story. He said it has huge potential, and that is my next goal. Nadine, can you share with us what it was like meeting your birth mother for the first time? It was unbelievable. We flew to the town in which she lives. And on the whole flight there, I was so afraid that the plane would, I, the plane would fall out of the sky. It wouldn't happen because I'd been searching for so long. And as Bill and I walked through the airport, there were sliding glass doors, glass doors that were opaque. And as the glass doors opened, I saw this beautiful lady sitting on a chair in a plaid suit, the little handbag on her lap. And there was a young man sitting next to her, very handsome. And as we approached, he stood up and moved to the side. And she stood up and looked at me. And I could see 
the apprehension and fear in her eyes. And as I walked to her, I smiled. And when I reached her, I put my arms around her and held her and said, hello, mom. Wow. Nadine, what would you say to your 18-year-old self? You have been through a lot. What would you say to 18-year-old Nadine? I would say, do not be defined by your challenges. No matter what trials are presented to you, try to find faith, hope, and the courage to persevere despite the odds. Continue to dream. Never surrender and never give up. Do not just survive, but thrive each and every day. Make an impactful life. Great advice. What is one I wish I would have known? I wish I would have realized sooner that life is never perfect, but one can experience perfectly wonderful moments. Life can be enormously hard, and we need to work through the challenges that are presented to us. Continue to pursue your goals, no matter how insurmountable they might seem, as dreams really do come true. You might experience a miraculous outcome that you could never have envisioned. I was able to experience many perfectly wonderful moments with family and friends, and they were worth all the effort. This episode of Navigating Cancer Together is sponsored by On the Other Side, a cancer navigation enterprise that offers emotional support to individuals and families affected by cancer. Their cancer doula can guide them through the healthcare system and help them mindfully navigate cancer so they can reclaim their lives. If you want to learn more, visit ontheotherside.life and book a meet and greet today with a knowledgeable cancer doula who has faced cancer and made it on the other side. Before we end, Nadine, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience that you have not shared so far? I think I'm fine to lay. I think I've laid everything out on the table. Okay. Courage. Women who experience cancer are given the diagnosis to realize that medical science has advanced so much from 42 years ago when I was diagnosed. And to surround yourself with a loving family and friends who will support you through your struggles. And each and every day, if you have faith, pray to God to just get me through today. And at the end of the day, every night, say, God, thank you for getting me through today. And please, God, help me get through tomorrow. Great advice. Great suggestions. Nadine, thank you so much for talking with me today for being an open book, literally <laughs> and figuratively. Thank you so much. Your story is one of inspiration, strength, courage, determination. And you are a great example that women can really do anything and get through any of those tough things that show up in our lives. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, Talia. And I hope that the story will inspire your listeners. I'm sure that it will. Thank you, Nadine. I would like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can easily find this podcast and listen again. You can also listen to Navigating Cancer Together on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcast. Are you looking to expand your professional network? 
If so, join me on LinkedIn. As an active member of the platform, I would like to invite you to connect with me. Let's grow our connections together. Simply search for Talaya Dindi, B-C-P-A, that's spelled T-A-L-A-Y-A, last name D-E-N-D-Y, and B-C-P-A. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you found it helpful. Please be sure to subscribe, share, and tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you join me for the next episode. Talk to you soon.